Hello and welcome to Daily Confetti with Carter and Carrie on Unsafe Space. Today is Monday, July 15th. And I have been in a news blackout for the past four days. I have no idea what to talk about or what we're going to talk about. What about you, Carter? Uh, I've not been in as much of a news blackout as you have. There's a lot to talk about. Um, we got to just pick one topic, though, for this show. And I think it's unavoid. We can't really avoid this thing that happened in Washington. Although I'm not yeah. sure you even I know what happened in Washington. So yeah, I'm looking it up right now. <laughs> okay. Well, look up this guy's name, Willem von Willem van Spronsen. So we've been talking about Antifa for a while, obviously, and we've cited CNN and other politicians and CNN and other media outlets and politicians on the left who have endorsed Antifa and at the, at the very least whitewashed what Antifa is doing, if not outright endorsed them. And on Saturday, an Antifa member in Oregon. So I don't know if you know this Carrie, but there was proposed ice raids uh, across the country this weekend and it was for people who already had orders to leave but they hadn't done anything or whatever and so the ice was going to go collect people i don't think they got many people i think announcing you're going to have a raid is probably retarded uh because guess what people weren't home uh, at least that's what i read about the new york right. raid. anyway <laughs> you don't give people a heads up right yeah but anyhow they, uh, they were planning these raids, and, and obviously Antifa is very against these raids, and they were a lot of protests. Well, this one guy, Willem Van Spronsen, who has been part of Antifa up there, he's part of a couple different groups, which we'll get into in a moment, but um, he decided to take matters into his own hands, and he got a rifle, an AR-15, actually, and some, quote, firebombs. I'm not sure what exactly that means. I don't know how homemade they were or what. But firebombs and a rifle, and he went to the ICE detention center in Tacoma at about 4 in the morning on Saturday and attempted to, I don't know what he's trying to do, blow things up, disrupt things, free people, just make a statement, whatever it was. And he got into a firefight with police and was killed. And no one else was injured that I'm aware of. And this is bad enough, I guess, but the responses and... Are they treating him like a martyr? Yeah, they are. So let's, let's walk through some things, Carrie, first. So I got some stuff I can pull up. First of all, he was a member of the Puget Sound John Brown Gun Club. Now, you know that Antifa has been encouraging people to arm. So here's the Puget Sound John Brown Gun Club page. We believe in active resistance to the corrosive and destructive social effects of white supremacy, sexism, bigotry, and economic exploitation. We stand in defense of well-being of the community. So here's their anti, so edgy, an anti-swastika sign. You guys are so edgy. We're uh, Make sure you guys know we're anti-fascists, although we behave like fascists. We don't like Nazis. That makes us special. But we so, are Nazis. Um, yeah. So we organize against fascism, which, of course, is 
anyone who isn't a Marxist. Uh, we train in defense. So there's some pictures of some people with some firearms, uh, a couple carbines. We work with our community, blah, blah, blah. But if you look at their blog, this they posted the next day here. Let me make it bigger. It's a rest in power. You said this before, Carrie. Mm -hmm. They use rest in power, not rest in peace. Mm -hmm. Well, now you're seeing it. Here you go. Rest in power, Will. Early in the morning of Sunday, July 13th, Willem Van Spronson, a former member of Puget Sound John Brown Gun Club, was killed in an altercation at a facility adjacent to the Northwest Detention Center. Hold on just one second. Sorry, I was swallowing part of a burrito. I just want to point that out. For people who haven't watched before and don't know what we're talking about, that's an SJW thing, rest in power. That's what they, that's what they, uh, that's what they worship. They don't say rest in peace. Peace isn't important to them. Everything about their ideology is about power and that's what they want. And so when someone dies, they think this is a nice thing to say to someone about someone, rest in power. It's so weird. Okay. Thanks. Thanks. For it, me, yeah, it is, it is super odd. All right, so here, let's put this back. We're stunned, shocked, and sounded by his death. Will was known for his kindness, gentleness, and warm heart. He was a father, a folk singer, and friend. Horrible folk singer, by the way. I watched some of his folk songs. Uh, God. <laughs> Jeez. Um, <laughs> it was really bad. <laughs> um, Will cared deeply about making the world... And by the way, this is someone who, you know, I'm not that against folk songs. I'm, you know, I can go to the local crappy coffee shop and listen to shitty folk songs, but this guy will care deeply about making the world a better place. And he felt injustice towards others as personal as a wound. He took direction, direct action to protest traditionally marginalized and threatened communities. Uh, blah, blah, blah. We're mourning. We'll find a way to grapple with his loss and honor his memory. We'll often talk about being useful. Uh, if you need to take something away from his action, we hope that it's, if the rest of us, we're all more useful towards compassion and justice than he could have stayed with us. So not an overt, I mean, it's pretty supportive of his actions, but not completely overt, but we can always move to the other group. He was a member of Puget Sound Anarchists. And here we have another very similar, very similar obituary. Early this morning, friend and comrade Will was shot and killed. Um, basically, don't trust the story because cops suck. I hate blah, the way blah, they, blah. Say, they say comrade, like, completely right. openly. Like, right. have Here no we go, though, Carrie. This is your favorite one. We find his actions inspiring. Wow. That's okay. Um, so, but how's the mainstream media? Are they treating him like a martyr? We, well, we don't need to go into this anymore. Yeah. Well, I, let's, let's do a little bit of background here. First of all, uh, there has been, I've not seen AOC, uh, you know, what's the word she uses that she says Trump has to, uh, or people have to disavow Trump's racist remarks about this or that. I've seen no disavowing. That has not happened. Um, but I, I, there's a few more things I want to quickly say. In mainstream media, actually, we can say this. You know this guy, Kerry? Uh, w. Kamu Bell? I don't know him. He's a oh, senior. Oh, this is my old client. Are you, you're, you're surprising me. I used to represent this guy. Well, he is a complete a tool. He is a Come tool. Out. This 
He is Mal. a disingenuous tool. He is one of the most fake SJWs I've ever met. Like he wears it like a mask. Well, here we go. From May this year, he said, are you watching the United Shades episode about Puget Sound John Brown Gun Club and the good work they're doing to actively end white supremacy? Just understand that being on my show is bringing a lot more harassment their way. Do what you can to support them. So he's been supporting the Puget Sound John Brown Gun Club who helped radicalize, train, and arm this he also, guy. He also spoke at some of the Antifa um, marches that, against the uh, uh, Patriots for Prayer rallies. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's been openly like, yeah, um, that doesn't surprise me. But you, you surprised me. <laughs> <laughs> and so one more, one more, by the way. This is, here's Seattle Antifist Action. When our good friend and comrade Willem Van Spronson took a stand against fascist detention center in Tacoma, he became a martyr who gave his life for the struggle against fascism. Blah, 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 blah. So that's how he's being treated by the fascist. But I think it's, I think it's important to just to, to point out a few things here, Carrie. First, we have been told just in just on a few days ago, beginning of the month, July 1st, this article, Tim Pool pointed this out. I think this was the one Tim Pool was talking about, but I'm not sure. Uh, Vox had an article about how the left should arm. And it's odd because this article, some of it, I, I think libertarian type people will agree with the sentiment of some of this article. Um, but he basically says, I'm of the firm opinion that it's not only time, not, not, it's time to not only arm left, but challenge the narrative that all leftists are anti-gun, right? And he says kind of he understands the position, but guns are very important and this is the only way we can overthrow uh, the government, basically. By the way, he also calls, <laughs> there's a prevailing narrative that pegs guns and armed self-defense exclusively to Republicans, racist libertarians, and other generally constitution-obsessed weirdos. So that's objective. Uh, so this person says, that he, goes, you know, he grows up with guns, basically we should, we should arm. I don't, I don't want to get into too much. This person does make some good points so that other people I think will understand. We can't depend on the police to protect us. That is true. Um, we need, we do need guns also. He, he points out that the NRA has not been a, a pro gun organization. They haven't, they've been, they've supported lots of, uh, gun grabbing. He points out that gun grabbing was done. Yes, it was done by a lot of Republicans and that it has racist undertones. He's correct about that. So, uh, gun, gun laws can be motivated by racism. And the NRA has not been supportive of gun rights throughout history. So there's some, you know, interesting things that he, this person mentions. But the point is, he is he is arguing explicitly that the left should arm themselves so that they can basically revolt and protect, quote, marginalized communities and whatever else. Last thing before we just talk about this a little bit more. Hold on here. So this was a thing that started happening, I saw anyway, in my world after the election. After Trump won, I even had people on the left come and ask me, people who had been kind of uh, critical of the fact that I 
was in a girls gun club and stuff like that before who yep. came and asked me after he won if i would teach them how to shoot because suddenly yep. they wanted to be able to as if as if i don't know it, they just became more open to shooting to firearms yep. so this is interesting but yeah and i the, the the one other just piece of information i think you might need before we have you know dive into this discussion a little bit more carrie is um you know, we talk about esoteric, it's not always esoteric, but we talk about universities and education and we rail against philosophy and this is why this culture is bad and blah, blah, blah. And a lot of times it seems disconnected from, maybe maybe to some people it seems disconnected from real life consequences, really what, like things that actually happen in reality. But so I want to point something out here. This is from this guy's, he left a little bit of a, kind of a manifesto to some friends. He, he mailed them a letter. I'm just going to read part of it towards the end. He says, don't, you know, let me expand this a little bit. Don't let your silly government agencies spend money investigating this one. I was radicalized in civics class at 13 when we were taught about the electoral college. It was that point, at that point that I decided the status quo might be a house of cards. Further reading confirmed in the positive. He also cites uh, Zim's famous history of the people's history of the U.S., which is uh, kind of a leftist, but part of the normal curriculum leftist history and leftist perspective on the history of the U.S. He describes that he, you know, hey, everyone should use ARs because they're cheap. That's what I did. Blah blah blah. But he was he was radicalized in public school. That's where he was radicalized by his own words, by his own words. So the reason that I care about education, the reason that I bitch about the, the philosophy behind and the culture behind a lot of the educational institutions that we talk about is this. This is what it leads to. It's this mindset. It, this is what happens. So this guy's, this guy's proof. So Carrie, that's all the kind of facts, I think, to get you up to speed on stuff. Um, just so you know, he was part of, Andy No actually filmed this guy. He was part of the, uh, he was part of the crowd, the Antifa crowd. I don't think he personally attacked Andy, but, you know, the other week when Andy was attacked up in, up in Washington, this guy was there and he's on film. They don't like you reading these reasons why people do stuff, whether it's someone on the Antifa or whoever, they don't like you knowing any of the psychology behind why a person would do something like this, I think. They don't. They don't. Um, but I think, I don't think this is getting, so this is a little bit depressing to me because I don't think this is getting better. Um, I don't, I don't think this is going to end We're you know, we're, we're very near, or sorry, we're very still far away from the election next year. If Trump wins again, this is just going to be, escalated i expect more and more violence here and if they Trump wins are, again they are going to be yes i think they will become even more violent well and he's being made a martyr there they are you know it's it's similar it reminds me similar to what like isis cells or the al-qaeda cells or whatever would say about hey this guy went and and blew people up, he was a martyr, and you all should do the same thing. That's basically the message that's being given to 
radical leftists right now. You all should do the same thing. If we all did the same thing, the world would be a better place. That's what they're arguing. Um, so I don't think this is going to get any better, Carrie. No, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't know. I don't have much intelligent thing to add about it. I just, do you have any, I, I have a general thought, um, because I don't think I can, re- I, so I read his manifesto, which is not very long and, and, and not super coherent, but there's a grain of truth to a lot of this stuff, right? This is like, my daughter was asking me about what Occupy Wall Street was over the weekend. And I had to explain that like, there's a, there's a, there's legitimacy to Occupy Wall Street. There's like, there's a pushback against something legitimate. It's just, they're pushing back against the wrong thing, but they've identified some real problems. And so I think this is kind of related um, because some of the things he complains about are kind of true. Um, And look, we used to be a very limited government that was focused just on protecting individual rights, or at least that's, we were much closer to that. I don't think we ever did that perfectly, obviously, but at least that was kind of the, the, the goal. And as the state grows, it doesn't just grow in one direction or another. It doesn't just grow towards fascism or just towards socialism and communism. It just, it expands in every direction. It just expands. And so the expansive state you'll have, it'll hit things that trigger people on the right, like increased taxes and the welfare state and, and that kind of stuff. They'll, they'll get angry about that, rightfully so. Ma- gun regulation, right? massive regulation of businesses and, and you know, gun laws. They'll get all mad about that. But it also triggers things that people on the left would get pissed about. You get more uh, you know, drug laws, militarization of the police, endless wars everywhere. You start to get all of these things when the state gets large. And so I think the, the, the dirty little secret here is you can interpret this, you can take a subset of those things and, and adopt a Marxist ideology and say, these are the things we need to bring down the system because of Marxism. And you can list a whole bunch of things. And some of those things are valid because we can say, oh, the system's a fascist. These are fascists that are running things, and we need to we need a Marxist revolution. And you can and and you can cite some examples of things that are problematic. By the way, I don't think the ICE thing is very problematic. I think if you're going to have a country, you need borders, but that's a separate issue. But you can cite a whole bunch of things. Some of those things we may not agree with, but some of them are are kind of valid. And you can argue you need to attack the fascist state and have a revolution against the fascist state. But if you're on the other side of the aisle extreme right, fascist right, you can look at this, the list of things and you can cherry pick a bunch of things that are socialist. And you can say, we need to stop these open borders. We need to stop, uh, we need to stop the expansion of the welfare state. We need to stop you know, this master's regula- regulation and taxes and whatever. You can go after, you know, you can go after stuff that the state has done that you disagree with because the state's expanded in every direction. And the truth is you don't want revolutionaries from either of those groups, right-wing revolutionaries, which we don't see as many of right now, probably because they're not supported by the media, but 
maybe if they were equally supported by the media, you'd see both sides. I don't know. But fascist right-wingers, actual fascist right-wingers, we don't see a lot of them trying to firebomb facilities or whatever, although I guess there have been. I don't know where Timothy McVeigh stood. You maybe read his manifesto. Maybe he was a right-winger. I don't know. But you've got left-wingers doing this. The truth is, they're both, there's a grain of truth to both of their grievances. Mm-hmm. And there's lies in both of their grievances. Um, and, and that makes it, I think it makes it difficult because if it, it creates, it creates this general feeling that the problems that the state has created by expanding so intrusively and so much creates this general feeling of angst. It creates an us versus them mentality. It makes it seem like there's rulers and ruling class and make, you know, ruling over the proletariat. It makes it seem like there's different laws for people in power than there are for people out of power, which is true, not actually laws, but in reality, the, the, uh, how those are implemented and, and what actually happens, there is a different kind of, quote, justice. And so there's a lot of these problems that get, you know, you end up with this hatred of the state, which is largely valid. And what happens is you can view that state through whatever lens you want. And neither the radical left nor the radical right are actually proposing getting rid of the real problem, which is the growing state. The radical right just wants a more totalitarian controlling state. The radical left just wants a socialist, basically communist state. And at the end of the day, there's not that much of a difference between communism and fascism. They're both, the state basically controls your life in one way or another, right? In fascism, they kind of pretend, you know, you, you kind of have some, pretend ownership of things, but the state can kind of tell you what to do and control. In communism, you don't even have pretend ownership. Uh, you just, you know, it's not pretend anymore. You don't have ownership. But, you know, my wife and I were, were talking about this because like, she grew up in China. China was communist, but we had this discussion. It, it's really less communist now than it is fascist, right? They've kind of switched to like, they realize that communism doesn't produce the economic uh, activity that they need to build their economy. And so they kind of switched to this model of like, we'll let you pretend to be free for a little while, but we're going to be authoritarian. And when you get big enough, we're going to step in and control you. That's much more like fascism than it is communism. They're really not that different, those two systems of government. Um, they're not that unique from each other, but they're very different from how the U.S. was founded. No, I don't. They're not that different. It's the same reason why I used to get, uh, I see people argue all the time about, about uh, how Hitler was a socialist. Have you seen this argument play out over and over? I haven't a seen nat- it out. I mean, he, he was a socialist. Yes, he was a nationalist socialist, right? So, right. so I, I see people on the right and left arguing about that all the time. Was he right wing? Was he left wing? Was he right wing? Was he left wing? It doesn't really matter. like like i don't i think i think too often people put that put things in these right and left binary these categories and it doesn't really matter i think part of red pilling is realizing that the the scale is not right and left it's statism and non-statism yes yes that is the scale yes i agree and so uh you know i the other thing that this made me think of 
I, I don't want to get paranoid, but look, if the left is going to get more and more armed and more and more active, there's something, you know, I assume maybe radicals on the right are doing the same thing. I assume. And those of us who are getting back to the state and non-state scale there, those of us who are on the non-statist end of that scale, I don't know, are we just sitting on our couches getting fat watching Netflix? Because that's not going to be very helpful moving forward. And I don't want to be a massive uh, prepper or tell you that, you know, you've got to, you're going to be in a bloody civil war in your lifetime, but it would be nice to, look, I used to, you, I know you shoot, I don't know if you still do. I used to shoot a lot. I used to train uh, people in, in the defensive use of force. Um, but I haven't been keeping up my skills. I haven't been doing martial arts like I used to. I am, I've gotten pudgy and like old and let that kind of happen to me and like the dad bod thing going on, right? And now I'm actively trying to fix that because this kind of thing has been in the back of my mind, which is like, I, do I think that we're going to have to actually be lean, mean fighting machines? No, not really, but it's good for your health anyway. A sound body gives you a sound mind. Yeah, I don't well, it helps know. helps you have a sound mind. Yeah, I don't know that, uh, I don't want to rule out that you may have to get involved in an altercation at some point. I mean, I don't think it's going to be an all-out bloody civil war, but as, as there is more and more social unrest, you know, society falls into a, a little bit more chaos and a little bit more chaos means more crime and you having to take care of yourself more than relying on the police. And, you know, we can use the wild West analogy. Like, you know, I don't actually think, I think the wild West trope is my understanding is the wild West trope is uh, hyperbolic and it w wasn't that much of a gunslinging West, but people were armed. It just wasn't as violent as the movies like to make it out. But, you know, if you can't, you know, if you can't walk around downtown without worrying about someone beating you up for a MAGA hat or, or recognizing you or, you know, someone doxes you for having the wrong opinion and people recognize you and go after you or whatever. Andy No wasn't wearing a MAGA hat. He was walking around being a journalist, got attacked. At some point, this is going to escalate to death. And it's not unreasonable to say you should be prepared for that. So this makes me think of a, I've mentioned this blog entry before, but let's see if I can share my screen. Um, blah, 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 share. Can you see that? I cannot. Oh, can you see it now? Here. Yes. Okay. Oh yes. Yes. You have shared this before. Yes. This is, this is a great blog entry. It's just, it, it's about, uh, I haven't actually read the book yet. I've, this is on my list. Maybe we could put this on book club list too. Um, Days of Rage by Brian Burrow. But the the blog about it is um, Status 451 blog. I'm not even sure who this guy is. But this was going around for a while in January of 2017 because he kind of does a review of the book, but then he gets into a lot of predictions. He looks at, he looks at um, uh, the uh, uh, 
like the radical actions of like the weather, the weathermen and stuff like that in the 1970s. And then he takes the stuff from the past and then he makes predictions about what's going to happen with violence in the future. He wrote this in January of 2017 and some of, some of what he was predicting has already happened. So, like what? well, he was kind of talking about how the left uh, is going to get increasingly violent, but in groups, they typically get violent in groups, which we've seen like Antifa mm -hmm. attacking people, attacking Andy. No, most recently um, they do it in these anonymous masked mobs. Um, whereas he said on the right, you're going to see individuals on the right start to get radicalized. It's more like the lone wolf thing. And mm -hmm. I've, I, as these two things escalate, they're going to drive one another. But he, he sort of talks about how at a certain point there's going to be, there's going to be a flip on the right where the right is going to, is going to get fed up with the violence on the left. Okay. So this is the part where it starts to get interesting about predictions. He says the way I see it, domestic conflict in the U S could operate in basically four stages. Number one, a cold civil war. Number two, targeted political violence, mostly short of murder, mostly short of murder. Number three, political violence with murder as the default. And then number four, civil war. He says, we're in stage one now, like a cold civil war. This is what I think you, it's kind of like what you call the cultural war that we're in. Um, yeah. Stages, yeah, stages two and three are what we're concerned with. The public- We're already in two. I think we are in two. He wrote this um, January 2017. That's why, I mean, some of this has already come true because I think, I think we're starting to see this targeted political violence, mostly short of murder. Yep. Um, but it, he, he sort of says, uh, look at this. The hard left selectively uses violence, normalizes it with weasel words, direct action, diversity of tactics, nonviolent property damage, Antifa. If you want to know why righties will get down with street fighting, he means like eventually, it comes to that. Take a look at Antifa. Yeah. So it's, it's not a very uh, hopeful <laughs> outlook. He's sort of running through worst case scenarios. It's not, you're not going to read this and be like, oh, I'm looking forward to this. No, it's not something anyone's going to look forward to. But it's also sort of just... Um, I, I, I appreciate people making predictions like this because it gives me sort of a roadmap of like what we, this is what we want to avoid. Like, are we going down this, this path? Because it looks like we are, maybe we need to. Yeah. No, I, I, I think we absolutely are going down the path and you know, the case selected response is to prep for it and, you know, be ready just in case. Right. The R selected response is to, dismiss it and keep partying. And I'm suggesting that you activate your K-selected, uh, you know, genes. Oh, this part, I've read this part before, but listen to this. He says, part of the bargain of civilization is ceding the authority to commit violence to the state. You're not going to like that, Carter. But he goes, it has its own problems, but it beats the alternative. Lord knows there are people I'd love to beat the shit out of in the street, but I don't get to do that and neither do you. No, I don't give a flying F who they are. You don't get to do that. Lefties say, quote, well, that's Nazis. They only do that to Nazis. Nazis are different. You have to, to shut that shit down, et cetera. Great, except that lefties pull the same shut the shit down stuff on mainstream righties on college campuses, all the while calling them Nazis. 
Hell, lefties said that Ted Cruz was a Nazi, Mitt Romney was a Nazi, George W. Bush is a Nazi. I've done human rights work that had me working in proximity to the U.S. military, so at a professional meeting, a lefty called me a Nazi. So if you tell me that I'm a Nazi and tell me that people I respect are Nazis and tell me you're in favor of going out and beating up Nazis, well, guess what? I'm suddenly very interested in the physical safety of Nazis, and I'm a Jewish person. Right. <laughs> like, right. Like, that's how, that's how people on the right are going to get are going to become more okay with like what he's saying with like the street violence and stuff that we see happening because the street violence right now is all lefties or mostly predominantly lefties. I think we need to, I think we need to really, really consider the possibility that things are, even if it doesn't go to a civil war, I think things will definitely get more chaotic and more chaos means you need to be more vigilant and able to protect yourself than normal. And yeah, I mean, do I disagree with the like part of civilization is is giving the power to initiate force to the state? Uh, yes and no. I, I do actually think that, first of all, it's honest to recognize that that's what the state is. That's an honest thing to say. Second of all, uh, I think the idea of America, which was a small state, that only would use that power to protect individual rights was a huge, huge step forward, you know, better than anything else. And as I've said before, even though I'm ultimately an anarcho-capitalist, I don't think anarchism survives unless you have a culture already of the non-aggression principle baked into culture. And so right now we don't have a culture where the non-aggression principle is baked into people's I, you know, everyday lives, they don't, they don't operate that way. So until you operate that way, you can't actually, anarchy may very well be chaos with Antifa fighting, you know, Richard Spencer and Nazis and actually Antifa would fight everyone. Uh, so. But didn't the non-aggression principle used to be baked into our lives? Um, like, I felt like we all agreed when you're sticks and stones may break my bones, but words may never hurt me. Like, we learned as children not to go out and hit people because we don't agree with them. And now we've forgotten that. Yeah. I mean, the, 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 I mean we can get into philosophy. I mean, the, the issue is the non-aggression principle was never fully realized, and we didn't recognize it's one thing to say we have a small government and we recognize that it's a violation of the non-aggression principle to have the government that we have, but we're going to slowly move towards less and less government over time so we can kind of get rid of that as people become, as free market solutions. This is agorism, right? Free market solutions kind of taking over the role of government in some way and kind of working towards that. We never really did that and we, we never really, we kind of like nodded at the non-aggression principle but we dismissed the state as anything that they did was didn't count as aggression because we had these bogus ideas of like, well, it's a social contract and whatever. And like, you know, we had things like the draft. I mean, back, even back when you're talking about it, there were, there was no nostalgic, like in, in history, I, I can't think of a time in American history where there actually was in the, this kind of nostalgic, the state wasn't doing grossly horrible things, whether it was slavery or the draft or, you know, um, wars that aren't, you know, weren't justified. Um, 
then they introduced the income tax in the early 20th century, and that just and and they slowly moved off the gold standard, which just enabled this massive expansion of government doing things. So there's not really been a time when we actually lived up to the ideals of the Constitution, which that's okay. I get it. Like we didn't live up to the ideals, but uh, those ideals were still noble. And, you know, I think you could start with, I think you could start with the kind of original constitution minus some obvious things like the, um, the allowance for slavery and that kind of stuff. But you could start with the version of the original constitution and with the, the bill of rights and move and have a society understand the premise behind them and start moving in the right direction rather than the wrong direction. But I mean, Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you can't. Maybe every government always just grows into a fascist totalitarian or socialist totalitarian regime, right? That's the argument of anarchists is that any government always grows into an uncontrollable behemoth. And I don't have a counter argument to that. I don't, I think that's because that's the example that we've seen throughout history with every freaking government. So maybe that's inevitable. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It makes sense. So that's depressing, but <laughs> look, I'd rather live in, I'd rather live in a, I'd la- rather live in a small limited government than the direction we're heading. And so, and I think a lot of people would, even people who aren't, who don't want to go, who, who don't have anarcho-capitalism on their horizon ever, that's fine. They've got a more limited constitutional style government on the horizon we're not going that direction. They're they're both the same direction, in my opinion, and we're not going in either one of those directions. So. On that note, have a happy week, guys. So move to an open carry state and go to the range every weekend. (laughs) You guys need to move to Texas and take Texas back. It's becoming California here. That's That's why I'm not sure Texas is the rallying point, but, you know. Let's wrap it up. Let's, yeah, let's land the plane. All right. Thanks for supporting us. Like, share, do all that stuff.